0: How many can relate to that? We are we are looking at um, what God is actually for, and uh, we're finishing up our series today. And, and And one of the things that we see in God's Word that that God is definitely for your marriage. So you may be here today, and you may be saying, you know, Pastor, I've gone through some pretty difficult things in my past, maybe from a broken marriage, or maybe you're here today. and I'm looking to get married. Um, maybe, maybe you're here today and you're, and you're, and you're struggling, um, in your marriage, or maybe you're here and you say, well, my marriage is, is pretty healthy, but, but how much no, we, we never stop growing in our marriage. And, 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 and that marriage relationship is so vital and, and God is for it. And, and if we're honest, I mean, uh, and, and we ask ourselves some difficult questions. We, we, we know that sometimes marriage is probably the most, the most difficult things, in our lives, because that person, let's be honest with ourselves, that person knows us better than anyone else. And how many know? We, 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 when we get in arguments, we got things in our, in our holsters that we can pull out from years before that, that we know that's either going to press a button or we can hold that over their head and, and it, it can get nasty. How many can we say amen? It can get nasty. Especially when you get angry with each other. My, my parents uh, have been married 56 years. They're 50th. My parents had this t-shirt that said, uh, the first 50 years were the hardest. Uh, so, uh, you know, we, we know that it's, 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 it's not easy. And so what I want to do today is I want to I wanna, I wanna look at marriage. Now, I, I want to look at it from the point of view of what does God see and, and, and what has God created? Because God designed marriage. He created marriage. And listen, I'm going to save you a lot of money today. How many of you, just say amen? amen. I want to save you a lot of money in marital counseling today. And I believe we can get this one principle down, it will save you hours of counseling. And it's just straight from God's word. It's not rock, rocket science, it's, it's, it's nothing that is hidden. It's in plain view for us to understand. But how many of you understand? It's one thing to note, it's one thing to apply it to your life and to begin to live it out. And this is where I, I, I hopefully we can, uh, we can help you this morning to see it uh, from, from God's word. So we understand that marriage is not, is not easy. And so whether or not you've been married 50 plus years or you've been married five weeks, it takes work. And all of us can relate to this. All of us can relate and understand that it is not easy. Let me just give you this first statement right off the bat. Is this the reason most marriages struggle or fail is for this reason. Are you ready? It's just for this reason. Unmet expectations. It's just unmet expectations. We expect certain things. And when it doesn't happen, we get frustrated Um, I do this questionnaire when I meet with couples that are desiring to be married. And we go through a class and a workbook together on a gospel-centered marriage. And what does that mean? And what I do is with a couple, I will give them 50 questions to go over that deal with these expectations. And it's interesting the way the couple will look at each other when they begin to ask these questions. Like I'll ask them questions like, are you going to be dog people? Or are you going to be cat people? Right there, that always good because it starts a fight right away. I love it because it just, it starts, you know. Uh, you know, uh, you know. every home, if the home is going to be complete, right, there's got to be a basketball hoop in the driveway, right? It, it, it's, amen. Can I get an amen, guys? You got to have it, right? And then wait, 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 wait. We never had a basketball I mean, that's going to make the house look tacky, right? No, it's not. We got to have a hoop in the front Yard. See, see, when you're dating or engaged, we don't get this expectation thing. We we think we, we, when we look at these things, we look at, 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 at his expectations and her expectations and, and and what we what we think we are is like we saw in the video, we think we're together on most things right? We, we think we're together. We're, you know, the couple comes in, they're holding hands, they're lovey-dovey, they're looking through the love lenses, right? And then all of a sudden, I begin to dig a little bit. I begin to prod a little bit. I begin to agitate a little bit and irritate the couple because I want them to pick a fight in my office, I want them to do it cause, because, because it, they're all, oh, we're just lovey-dovey. We know, we just, pastor, we know each other. And it's so funny because when I have them fill out this marriage application, I ask them, what, what, what are, what, why did you fall in love with them? What are the things that make you love that person? And it's I just chuckle because it's usually the same thing. I love the way they look at me. They get me coffee all the time. You know, it's just everything's so wonderful, right? It's just so, I, I want them. So then I begin just to kind of prod a little bit. Like, like, I'll ask things like, like, who is going to do the ironing? Just little things. These aren't big things. And all of a sudden, she says, well, I don't iron. He says, well, I don't iron. My mom ironed for me. She ironed for me. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, whoop. Here we go, and I love it. I love it because I I want this to happen. All of a sudden, uh uh-oh, they start the expectations start to to start to move apart. And then, then there's the, you know, you know, this expectation that maybe you go into the marriage and you think your spouse is always going to pick up after themselves. How many went in marriage thinking that your husband was automatically going to pick up after themselves? I was in I was in an apartment room with three, sometimes six, other roommates. Okay, I'll leave it there, okay? It just wasn't pretty. And all of a sudden, you're like, well, I expect you to always pick up after yourself. Listen, I've got two boys, 21 and 19. This is a source of contention with me and my, because it's like, how long have you been living in the house? Can you put the dish in the dishwasher? It's, it's about a two feet spread from the sink to the dishwasher, right? It just doesn't doesn't compute. All of a sudden, uh-oh, here we go, here we go, here we go. Ooh, he starts the separation, right? And then said, so, well, well, who's going who's gonna to do, well, I just assumed you were going to do the cooking. I assumed that you were going to do all the cooking. Oh, really? Well, did you know that I work too? Well, I expect you to do that, and right, right? All of a sudden, here goes the, and all of a sudden, it's like, whoop, 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 Here it goes a little bit, and I'm loving it. I'm loving it because this is good, Or the guy may come into the the marriage and he's thinking, man, I can't wait to get my man cave. Can I just tell you, man, can I be honest with you guys this morning? Can I tell you what my man cave is? It's about a four by four foot section in the corner of the garage. It's a workbench. That's my man cave. That's where I go to get away. That's That's it. So I've just relinquished. The man cave idea, and you may come to, well, I, you know, man cave. I want a she shed. How about building me a she shed? You want a man cave? I want. I want a, I want a she shed, right? See, in most marriages, what's the problem? Well, we've got these expectations. We all have them when we go into marriage. We have these expectations that these things are going to be met, and and and, and it's just little things like, ladies, you soon found out that a, a back massage doesn't mean. A back massage, right? You can get that. Come on, we're in church. We can talk about this, right? You know what I'm talking about. Are we in church, Pastor? Yeah, we are in church. But let's be let's be honest. Let's be honest here. There are no perfect marriages. Let's just let's just relinquish that. There's no perfect marriage because there are no perfect people. And so the problem is, you know, we go into marriage, and and we don't think about preparing for it. I mean, think about the, all the years a doctor has to go to school to become a doctor. The years of education. The years of education, the teacher has to get their degree and then their master's degree. But a marriage, all you need is a license and someone who wants to marry you, and that's it. And so we go in so unprepared. We go in with all this baggage. Whether or not you are from a divorced family and you see the wrong examples of what a marriage, we bring all this stuff in. And so what we have here, and we've got to deal with this, is the expectation gap. Every single marriage has an expectation gap. I don't care who you are or where you can, or think you had a good family you're raising. Every single one of us, come into marriage with this expectation gap and we live I don't care how many years you've been married we live with this expectation gap and this is what causes marriages to fail or struggle is how do we deal with the gap how do we deal with our unmet expectations So what we're going to do this morning is we're going to get to the heart of this thing and how to deal with it so that your marriage can be healthy and growing and loving and and mutual care for each other. And so I want to dig into God's word. If you've got your Bibles, there's a Bible in front of you. You can pull that out if you'd like. Look up at the screens. Look on your phones. I don't care. I want you to get this verse down. And Paul The apostle speaks to marriages. This is a wonderful, wonderful example for us of what it means to live a healthy married life. So Ephesians chapter 5, 22 through 33. Here's what Paul is going to do. He's going to speak to the wives and he's going to speak to the husbands. And he's going to give us the basis of what marriage and why God designed it and how we are to live it in our life. So first he speaks to the wives. Then he'll speak to the husband. He He says, for wives... What this means is to submit your husband as to the Lord. For a husband is head of his wife, as Christ is head of the church. He is the savior of the body, the church, as the church submits to Christ. So you wives should submit your husbands in everything. For husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave up his life for her. To make her holy, clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word, He did this to present her to himself as a glorious church without spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. Instead, she will be holy and without fault. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as they love their own bodies. For a man who loves his wife actually shows love for himself. No one hates his own body, but feeds it, cares for it, just as Christ cares for the church. And we are members of his body. As the scripture says, a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife. And the two, the two are actually united into one. This is a great mystery, but it's an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. So, I, so I, I'm going to say it again. Each man must love his wife as he loves himself. And the wife must respect her husband. Lord, just open that passage up to us today. And I pray for every person here today pray for every couple here today that, Lord, your your Holy Spirit would reveal this truth to us. And I pray you'd bring healing and understanding and health to every relationship here today. I pray in Jesus. Wonderful name. In Jesus. Wonderful name. Amen. So here's the thing. Here's the thing. The majority of problems in marriage come when our expectations aren't met. The key word there in that statement is R. everybody say R. R. it's it's when our expectations aren't met so so what we do is we go into marriage not looking necessarily to meet someone else's needs but but realistically we go into marriage looking for that person to meet our needs and that is a deadly deadly way to look at marriage because if you're going into marriage thinking this person is going to complete me, do everything that I need, how many know it's not, it's not too long where that person ends up disappointing you? And then what you end up doing is oh, you start looking over the fence. Well, look at that. Blah, blah, blah. blah. And it, it's just disastrous. No one can ever fulfill all the needs in your life except for Christ. And if Christ is not the head of that relationship, like Paul is saying here, then you're going to be looking for that person to meet your emotional and spiritual and your identity, and it will never, ever, ever work. It won't work. Because what you're going to end up doing is putting all this pressure on that person to meet some need in your life, and then you're going to place so much expectation on them that they can never meet it. And so what ends up happening? You get frustrated. So here's what I want to do. I want to look at four ways that we deal with the expectation gap. Four ways that we deal with this. Three that are wrong, one that is right. So let me look at a couple things on how we're doing Maybe one of the maybe maybe the first three, you're like, oh, Pastor, you just hit the nail on the head. That's the way I deal with it. That's the way I'm dealing with this unmet expectation. See, so we go into this marriage really looking for someone else to meet our needs. And James says this so well in James 4, he says, what causes fights and quarrels among you? What causes fights and quarrel among you married couples? Don't they come from your desire that battle within you? Somebody say amen, right? Nudge your spouse, say amen. Amen, amen, right? Okay, so what happens when my expectations aren't met? Well, let me give you a couple things here. Let me give you three wrong ones, and let me give you the right one to deal with the expectation gap. So here, here's, here's how we fill in the gap. Here's, here's, here's how we fill in the gap, many ways, the wrong way. First of all, um, some just say, you know what, I'm just going to leave. I'm going to leave. They bring all their expectations into the next relationship. So the way I'm going to deal with this expectation yeah, is I'm just done with this relationship and I'm just going to bring all my expectations. How many of you take all that baggage and all those expectations and you just drag them in to the next relationship? So that's one way we try to fill it by just leaving. I'm just done and I'm going to, I, I give up and I'm just going to leave. The second thing is some just give in. and, and instead, of, instead of causing a fight or whatever, some just say, you know what? I'm just going to, I'm just going to give in. And, and, and so when this happens, you have one person with power and control over and in the marriage. And many marriages are so lopsided because one of the spouses just gives in because it's easier than just simply arguing all the time. And so they just don't want the tension. So they said, you know what? I'm just going to overlook all these flaws and things that we need to talk about because I just don't want to argue about it. And then what happens is someone has all this power and control and it basically smothers the other person to where the marriage is not this mutual edification. It's just basically putting things under the carpet because the other person has learned over the years That if I bring this thing up I know it's going to set off a powder keg And I don't want to deal with it So we're just not going to talk about it And I'll just let the person get away with this That's not good If you're in that type of relationship That is not good That's not how to fill in this expectation gap Because eventually it's going to be like Mount Vesuvius And something will happen That is why some leave after so many years of marriage, Maybe it's when the kids grow up and they don't have that connection any longer that they're living their lives around the kids and all of a sudden they have to face each other and it's like, this ain't good, right? And so what begins to happen is they, be, they begin to see what their marriage is really like and it begins to unravel because they have to deal with each other. Here's another way that we try to deal with this expectation gap and that's, that's just by guilt and manipulation. This is when we try to use leverage to get our way. Now this never happens in any of our marriages. Let's just be right. <laughs> Let's just be honest. We, we do this a lot because we know that it's it's this instant thing that that could try to get things to go my way. So what we use is we use guilt. We say things like remember when you did this? Look at all the things that I do for you. Look at how hard I work Right, These are go-tos because this is a go-to for a lot of guys too. Because we'll say, well, I'm just working so hard for the family. Mm. Guilt and manipulation do not work. Great recipe for a very, very unhealthy marriage. See, all these three reasons of trying to fill in this expectation gap have one thing in common. The common thing is selfishness. That's all it is. It really, at the heart of it, it's I'm not getting my way, so I'm going to resort to these things to either try to get my way or not try to cause any controversy within the marriage. Let me just say this. That is not God's design for your marriage. That's not what God intended for marriage. And it all comes back to expectations. And let me, deep, listen, every single one of your fights boil down to this. It does. Can I get an amen? This is good stuff. It boils down to this. We're not getting our way. There's some unmet expectations and we're frustrated because we're not communicating our feelings to one another. And so this is, these three ways are how we try to deal with it. But let me give you some good news. How many like some good news? Because you're all a little depressed right now. I know it was snowing out this morning. You're all a little depressed. You're like, it's got quiet. it got so quiet in here. Was like, ooh, pastor. You know, because I, I realize, listen, this has touched on some things in your own marriage. I realize this. But there's some good news. So you want some good news? Can I get an amen? Let's get some good news here. So here, here's here, there's a fourth way that we can see in Ephesians chapter 5 how God wants us to deal with that expectation gap. And this is the best way. This is God's way. And, and how many believe that God's way is the best way? So he just knows what he's doing. God wants our marriages to thrive, and he's given us the secret on how to do that. This passage is the secret to every great marriage. So this passage in Ephesians 5 at first glance will turn many people off because we see the word submit and we think it's only speaking to the woman. And many see this passage as an like an employee, employer type of relationship or that it's just a one way street. This passage has nothing to do with that type of mentality. What this passage is speaking to is this Fourth way of looking at your marriage and filling in the expectation gap in a biblical marriage is this. A biblical marriage is one of mutual servanthood. Boy, I wish there was an amen there. That's a good spot for an amen. One, two, three. Amen. amen. Okay, so it's a biblical marriage is one of mutual servanthood. So what it is, is this is what it is. This is what it is. This is how you fill in this gap the right way. What it is, is it's a choice we make. To actually submit to one another. It's a choice we make. Not by manipulation. Not by taking the Bible and saying, this is what the word of God says. Bang, bang, listen to me. It's never going to work. Because that's not done in love. It's done in manipulation. So it's a choice we make to submit to one another. So what does this word submit mean? Well, to submit means to put the needs, wants, and expectations of others above my own. This is what Paul is speaking to, to both partners. In fact, the word comes from a military term that carries the idea of giving up individual rights for the goal of the whole and making it better. If you go as an individual into the army or one of the, or one of the armed forces and it's all about you, you're not going to get very far. It's all about working together to make the group better and working as a team. So that's why this is a military term. It's giving up my individual rights for the goal of the whole or making it better. Now, did you catch this laying down my rights for the betterment of the whole? Now I know what some of you are are thinking. You're thinking, pastor, you crazy, right? You're, You're, you're crazy. I don't, you don't know my spouse. And, and if they would treat me right or respect me, then and then only will I serve them. Now, does this mean we take abuse or allow ourselves to be in dangerous situations? Of course not. That's not what I'm saying. But I want you to notice what the verse doesn't say. It doesn't say submit only when they deserve it. See, we get the idea that I only serve when someone deserves it. and It's this type of give and take. But here's where I want to bring it back to the gospel. Here's where we bring it back to the gospel. Jesus gives us this wonderful example. He he leaves us this wonderful example of what he actually did for us. That he laid his life down for us. He didn't come to be served, but he came to serve, to to lay down his rights in order to bring us back into a right relationship with the Father. Now let me ask you a question. Did any single one of us in this room deserve God's God's grace? No. The answer is no. None of us deserve his grace. None of us in this room merited anything from God. In fact, we were sinners separated from God's perfection and his holiness. But God, through his mercy and grace, demonstrates his love towards us by sending us Jesus. If you don't get that in your heart, your expectations will always be greater than than what your spouse could ever give you. If if we're not willing to forgive and offer grace in our relationships, there's a disconnect with what we understand about the gospel message. And so if we don't lace our relationships within the gospel message, there's always going to be a disconnect with this. We're always going to be trying to fill in the expectation with with everything that is selfish and self-centered and not grace-centered. Because that's what the gospel is all about. Giving us something that none of us deserve. Jesus came to seek and save that which was lost. See, when Jesus washed the disciples' feet, did any of them deserve it? Absolutely not. They were going to desert him. Jesus even washed the feet of his betrayer, Judas, knowing that he was going to betray him. See, a biblical marriage, listen, a biblical marriage should have the same posture as Jesus. My posture should be to put the needs of my spouse above my own. That's that's what Paul is driving at. Think for a moment. Instead of always fighting for our needs to be met, let's think about the opposite. I heard one pastor put it this way. He says, make your marriage a competition of submission. Make it a competition of submission. Submission, not a checklist of who's doing what, who's doing more. I did the, I did the dishes today, but you should do this. And other, but you know, we, this is a little check, It gets crazy. But what, what if we made it a competition of submission? Okay, you might be thinking, Pastor, how does this work? It sounds great, but I'm worried about being taken advantage of. If I become vulnerable in this way, I'm going to worry about being taken advantage of. And you might be thinking, I'll do this. But my spouse has to start it first. You ever play that game? (laughs) You go first and then I'll jump in. I'll do it if they start first. Wrong way to fill in the expectation gap. Wrong way. See, notice what Paul says. Wives, submit your husband as unto who? As unto the Lord. See, ultimately, we're doing it unto Christ. If your husband deserved it, guess what? You would never come under is covering, that spiritual covering that Paul talks about. And I think the percent, if we're to ask every woman if their husband deserved it, I think, let me just take a stab at this. Can I just take a stab at it? Just take a stab at it. If you thought your husband deserved it, let me just take the percentage of those you thought deserved it. Probably be 100% they didn't deserve it, right? Can I be honest? All the women were saying, hey, Amen, I know you want to say it, but you're careful. You want to start a fight. See, I, I like uh, we, we uh, our ladies do a lot of Beth Moore. Beth Moore is a Bible teacher, and uh, our ladies do a lot of her studies. And uh, she said this: "She goes, women submission means ducking, so God can hit your husband's head." <laughs> so, so submission means ducking, so God can hit your husband. So just 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 think about that, okay? So, all the men say, "I don't like that." <laughs> I heard a lot of the ladies left, I don't know if I like. That. See, here's the thing. God has given the husband the spiritual covenant relationship. And that doesn't mean the husband is better or he is to be a dictator. So so submission doesn't mean putting your husband's will above God's will. Submission should never cause you to do something that would cause you to sin. Submission doesn't mean that you will ever see everything eye to eye. Submission doesn't mean that you walk in fear and abuse. Capish? Okay. It simply means that this is a role. It's a it's a role, and we are so confused about our roles in our world today. And that's why there's so much misunderstanding and arguing about this expectation gap because we don't understand our role as a wife and our role as a husband. And so what Paul is really talking about is not one better than the other. He's simply speaking, what is your role? Complete the role that God has given you. Husbands, love your wives as Christ has loved the church. Christ is ultimately head of the church. I have to answer to him. That's my role. And wives, you're to come under that spiritual covering of your husband with respect submission that's your role it's not that one is better than the other notice what Paul says to the husband he says love your wives as Christ loved the church so let's get this right let's understand the true meaning here it isn't a self-serving love but a self-sacrificing love see when when you understand something that you're doing and that it's it's mutual like you understand that I'm ultimately serving the Lord, that ultimately, God, I have to come under your covering. And we understand how Christ came to serve the church, that I'm here to serve my wife, because I want to follow the example of Christ, and that's what he came to do. When we mutually serve each other here, we are to lay our lives down for our spouse. Man, that's what we're supposed to do. What woman wouldn't want that? We protect, we encourage, we do all we can to let her grow in the Lord. Are we doing everything to promote their holiness? That's what Paul is driving at. And I think in order for us to really understand this expectation gap in to allow God to have his way in our marriage. And I know some of you are sitting here today and you say, Pastor, whether it's the husband or the wife, maybe, maybe they're not serving the Lord. And you're saying, Pastor, this is really hard message because my husband or wife are, aren't serving the Lord, and so this is difficult for me. Um, I want to tell for those of you, here's what the word of God says. You live that example of Christ in your heart, in your life. And the Bible says, let them see your example of how you serve Christ and you never give up praying for them. I have such admiration for my mother-in-law. She lived in a, in a she got saved later in her life and, and you know my father-in-law wasn't at that time. And I remember her going to prayer groups and just praying for her husband, praying for her husband, living out the example for the Lord And it wasn't until a week before he passed away from cancer that he came to Christ as his Lord and Savior. But I have such admiration for my mother-in-law that she never gave up praying for her husband. That she lived within that relationship honoring God by praying for her husband. And listening to him and loving him through a lot of difficult things. So I'm not saying that that's easy. So for those of you that are in that position, I'm not saying that that's that's easy but i'm telling you don't give up let your example of what christ is in your life to be that example towards that unbelieving spouse amen don't give up keep praying let the lord encourage you but here's the thing i want you to see how do we how do we keep filling in this gap because what happens is here's what happens we feel like we're getting closer and then all of a sudden something comes up and we get another argument then we pull apart then we get closer, then we pull apart, then we get closer. How do we, how do we keep this expectation, expectation get from entering our relationship and keeping this relationship close? I, I, I believe the first thing, spouses, that you need to do is you need to forgive each other. Some of you have been holding on to some grudges for many, many years. Now, you may think, well, I've forgiven them, blah, blah. blah. And all of a sudden, I, I'll tell you how you know you haven't forgiven them. Here's how I know. See, when you're lovey-dovey and everything's fine, every, it's great. But when there's stress within your relationship, this will come out again. And you will bring something up from the past, some hurt, something that you will bring up. And then you'll know, I haven't forgiven. I haven't forgiven. I haven't forgiven. See, forgiveness is allowing that thing forever to be buried and not to resurrect it again and to dig it up again. So I think for couples, I think the first thing is you've got to realize I've got to allow my attitude to be grace gospel centered where I'm offering forgiveness. And some of you may need to forgive each other. There may be something and you say, you know, what? I'm just I love you and, and, and do it in a time that's not tense. But just say, you know, what? I've been holding on to this. I just need your forgiveness. I, this thing is bothering me. It comes up when we argue, and I just I need your forgiveness. And so, start there. Start with the the forgiveness, and that's gonna that's gonna eliminate that 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 expectation gap. But here's what I want you to do. I want I want to give you a little homework uh, today. Here's what I want you to do. Couples, I I, I want you to find a place where where you're only going to focus on each other. If you've got young kids, they're not going to be around. They're going to be in bed or you get a babysitter and you can go out and talk. Um, if it's a couple, don't do it at the end of the day when both of you are tired, or if both of you work or whatever and then it's just like, "Okay, we got to get this over cuz pastor said we got to do it." So let's get it over. And it's 10:30 at night and you're both tired. Take time to find a place where you focus on each other where you're rested and you're not irritated. And I want you to ask each other this question. What is the one thing I can do to serve you more? Now, guys, can I just speak to you for a second? When the question is asked, don't say nothing. I will slap you silly if if your spouse comes to me and says, he said nothing, so we're good. Don't say that. Okay? And women, let me speak to you about that. Because you're all thinking, ah... This is the sermon that I've been waiting for my whole life. Because some of you have got Excel spreadsheets already for this conversation, right? So I get it. So don't, 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 don't. The husband says nothing, and the one says, here's my Excel sheet right here. I'm ready. Ready? Number one. This may take a while, honey. Number one, right? Don't do that, okay? That's not the point of this conversation, okay? Okay. Um, I I really want you to take this to where it's gospel centered. There's forgiveness that's offered. And there's this heart of like, where am I, where am I failing you? That's a hard question. And here's the thing. We've got to be open to that. We can't, we can't be to the point where we say, you know what? I'm not going to be open. here. I've got to be open. I I don't want to, I can't be open here. So it, it may sting. But that's okay. Because if it's, how many you know when it's set out of love and care for the other person, where it's not just I have an ax to grind, it's going to be received in a much better way. And I think what will begin to happen is this expectation gap will begin to be eliminated and, you, and, and your marriages will become much closer with each other. And I want to I I remind you that this is not just a one-time thing. I believe that if you keep coming back to this question, it will change your marriage and it will keep changing your marriage and it will help you to grow in your marriage. Because I believe more than anything else, mutual submission to each other and putting each other first completely destroys the expectation gap. Do we understand that love covers a multitude of sin? See, the little things that used to bother us aren't going to bother us as much anymore. They just aren't. Because you're going to say, you know what? My spouse is so cute. They always do this one little thing, and it used to irritate me all the time, but it doesn't bother me now. I used to want to strangle them after, you know, leaving the toilet seat up or whatever. Now you can just say, okay, that's cute. I used to want to kill you, but now I look before I sit, okay? <laughs> uh, God is for your marriages, amen? God is for your marriages. So, so would, you, would you listen to your pastor and do your homework? Would you do that? And, and my prayer for you is that some of you that are looking to get married, hang on to these notes and let it be a reminder to you of when you go into that relationship or looking to get married, I believe you will you will be on a much better plane than without this. Amen. So can I pray for you and let you go off into this uh, beautiful white wonderland of snow this morning? Amen. Is God is God good? Is God good? Amen. Let me pray for it. let me pray for you, couples. If you're together, just grab your spouse's hand. Would you grab Would you grab her? Grab his hand. Grab her hand, and let's and let's pray for for each other if you guys are here today and sitting together. Lord Jesus, we, we come before you today. None of us are perfect. We have messed up in so many ways, we, we, and we admit it, God. But thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, that, that you uh, are for us and not against us. Lord, and I pray that we would just heed, the, heed these words, that we would submit to one another. God, we would serve one another. Help us, help us to have that competition of submission. Thank you, Jesus, for showing us the way and giving us the example of what it means to serve and to lay your life down for your body. Paul couldn't think of any better example to give in the marriage relationship than what Jesus Christ has done for his church. What a beautiful example. Help us to be gospel-centered in our marriages in the way we forgive, the way we serve each other, and help us to come back to your grace every single time in the way we forgive each other. So we thank you for this time. I, I just pray a blessing over every single marriage in this place today, no matter where they are at. I pray for those that are praying for their spouse to come to you. I pray for those that are struggling. I pray for those that, uh, that did just want their marriage to grow. God, I just pray for them. Those that are looking to get married, God, we give this to you. And thank you for your word today. Just go with this now as we go in your grace. For we ask all these things in Jesus' wonderful name. In Jesus' wonderful name. And all God's children said, amen. 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 God bless you guys. We'll see you next week. Have a great day.